In ancient Persia, people debated ideas twice. Once when they were sober and once when they were drunk. The idea presented had to sound good in both states, if you will, before they would act upon it. Now, I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again, some of the best conversations come from a good poor, and sometimes those conversations offer up debate, sports, politics, religion, cars, movies, and sometimes exaggerations of a life spent with a retelling of how things went down. There I was, man, just me up against five guys with clubs. All I had was the bourbon in my hand and a Dunkin' Yo-Yo. I'm Dino Tripodis, and welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey, and the talk tonight should be fascinating and also up for debates and questions as our guest is Astro physicist science paul Sutter. what was that science what what is that what is astro who does no who does who says science like that i do okay i do and uh Fair enough and uh what was the song greg hansberry she blinded, blinded me, me with, with science. science yeah uh dolby sure whatever okay i was four, came out. <laughs> <You> were four. <laughs> paul sutter is with us astrophysicist at osu the the ohio state university also the chief scientist at COSI, the center of science and industry as well. A lot and, of science. A lot of science. Yeah. And an astrophysicist, now correct me if I'm wrong, and you'll be doing that a lot this evening. I look forward to because it. Because <laughs> I will be wrong a lot. Um, an astrophysicist kind of is like a like a mixed bag of tricks. It's, sure. it's the laws of physics and chemistry to explain the birth, life, and death of stars, planets, galaxies, but it also includes some other things like astronomy and cosmology and maybe even cosmetology. Not unfortunately, no. we know we don't say makeup. We say the makeup of the universe, the, which is cosmology. Cosmology, but and not cos- cosmetology. Cosmetology is the makeup of people. I understand. Got so, it. I, so you're saying you can't explain Kepler's laws to me and give me a perm at the same time? That's not happening. Is that a challenge? <laughs> we can make it happen. <laughs> this would be a great YouTube video. Have you watched YouTube videos? Because that's the kind of stuff it is. I don't know. I no, don't watch don't, YouTube videos. Yeah, no, no, you're right. An astrophysicist is a part a, a sub-discipline of physics mm-hmm. physicists are people who try to figure out how the universe works right and astrophysicists are people who try to figure out how stuff in space works okay so birth and deaths of stars stars blowing up galaxies colliding the evolution of the universe trying to figure it out that's, that's our day to try to figure out yes me oh, i thought you were asking me to try to figure it out <laughs> like, oh, well no i'm gonna have to do it now to drink a lot more and speaking of drinking our guest bottle you know what this might be Market Hansberry. Okay. First time I actually introduced our guest before the guest bottle. Nice job, Paul. This wow. is going to be an impressive. We're making history. This is history making. Yeah. Normally it's always the guest bottle. Always the I've guest bottle first. Yeah. The guest bottle tonight is a makeup of sorts. Um, the Tuesday before St. Patrick's Day, um, my guest was John Schwab, and we were talking Sinatra and his Sinatra disc, and I felt obligated in memory of Sinatra, to have Jack Daniels. Sure. You right. were bummed out that I did not have some sort of Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. 
Jameson is one of my favorite Leading whiskeys. Up to- so he he had promised me months and months in advance. Well, when we get to you know around March, I'll have a nice uh, yeah. Irish whiskey for you. But I did not. I did. So I bring you not just Jameson's. Uh, granted, Jameson's now owns this company. I bring you the Red Breast Single Pot Still Irish whiskey for uh, twelve years old. It's one of the <laughs> okay. only two pot still whiskeys. Still made since the early 1900s. Oh, the audience can't see me shaking my head. Yeah. Because you don't drink. I don't drink. That's the other thing, too. You're the first guest on this show ah. that has not imbibed. Good old H20 is yeah. what I'm drinking. The most common element in the universe. Water? Yes, or most common chemical element in the universe. Water, water, water everywhere. H2O. Hydrogen has been around since the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. All right. Universe is full of hydrogen. Oxygen is made in the cores of stars like our sun. Stars like our sun. Trillions of them, tens of trillions. They blow up, they die, they spread the oxygen. Oxygen and hydrogen are really good friends. They combine really easily. So when we're looking into the galaxy, into the stars and, and so forth and so on, is like, well, well when, if we're going to go here, water's probably on top of the Water's list. all over the place. Water's all over the place. Water's oh, yeah. everywhere? Water, everywhere. water, every, yes, but not a drop to drink. To, to drink. Right. Yeah. So a planet can't survive unless there's water of some sort. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, life as we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, requires water to live. It does not require sunlight because we do have creatures on the earth living at the bottom of the sea that power themselves from hydrothermal vents, don't use sunlight or photosynthesis at all. Uh, But life as we know it does require water. So in the hunt for life Mm -hmm. elsewhere in our galaxy and even in our own solar system, it's really a hunt for liquid water. That's the first step. First step. of, Of several thousand steps. Several thousand Wow. Steps. Well, what did it take to to get you started? In what? In my career? In life. In life. It's, well, my mother and my father, first <laughs> of all. And I imagine probably some whiskey. <laughs> in, in order for my mother, the nervous bride, to chill out and relax a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if there's any water <laughs> in the mix. But water was a part of it. But water was a Water's part of it. Water is a part of you. Water is You're a, part a walking of me. bag of salt water. <laughs> More of that. <laughs> you had the walking bag part right. <laughs> but the water is yes. I I well you know there's water in this in this cocktails we speak. You're you're tr- technically drinking water too. Yes, I am. I mean, it's just an ice cube. With some additives. With some additives. Yeah. In my ice cube. Oh no! Like in in your drink. Oh, my drink, the whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Just a little sidebar. Why don't you? Uh, why do you choose not to imbibe? Did you have a bad experience? No, I just, I just don't. You never did. I never did. Never did. Even as a youngster growing up. Even as a youngster growing up. Going Except out with co- your friends. Communion wine, I guess. Okay. Does that count? The little sip. Sure. Once a Sunday. I mean, no, no, not really, it doesn't but, count. You know, that's all I got <laughs> to work with. And... Uh, no, I was, I've just, but my parents drank not heavily, not like. You know, me, you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anybody just step into it. Like, I think I need to be polite. I don't know how, <laughs> but yeah, um, but they, 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 and they're very open. You say, if you ever want to experiment, just let us know, you know, we'll, we'll guide you through the process. Apparently there's a process in learning how to drink. And I'm just, I'm, it's, <laughs> I'm shaking my head. If, if there is, I'm not really aware of it, but okay. Uh, and I've just never been interested. And then it became a thing. Like, okay, if I've never been interested, then I'm just going to make a thing. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. It's kind of like smoking cigarettes. Yeah. You never smoked a cigarette. Why Why start why now? Why start now? Why start now? Well, you know, I respect that. I really do. It's not... A lot of people are under the misconception that in order to be on this 
podcast, you have to drink. No, you don't drink. That's just more for uh, me and Hansberry. Right. I think uh, a lot of good conversations come from a good pour. I have my good pour. I'm going to have a good conversation we'll have fun. <laughs> with you or without you. We're gonna have a, <laughs> I don't you even have to be in the room no, for you to have a good conversation. <laughs> Astrophysicist, what, at what age did you decide this is what I want to be, this is what I'd be when I, when I grow up? Uh, like 20. 20. Okay, well, that's... Yeah. That's not crazy. It's not like you were nine and say, I want to be an astrophysicist. When, when, when I was a kid, I loved books about space mm -hmm. and also books about dinosaurs. And then there was this TV series of Dino Riders yeah. where uh, there's, uh, dino there's people that came from space and then they uh, put like lasers and stuff on top of dinosaurs and right. rode them around yeah. into battle. That was my favorite cartoon. And that's uh, what, what that, that's what well, the, I was just I was laying just the groundwork laying the groundwork. I'm still working on the lasers on top of uh, uh -huh. a T Rex thing. Sure. That's my side project, my side research. Uh, but I was just always like consume as many books as I could about space. I I just loved thinking about outer space. I love sky watching all that stuff. But I never really made the connection that being an astronomer or a physicist or a scientist was an actual job. That was an actual career choice. Uh, my third year of college, I took a an elective, an astronomy elective, because I'd always had this kind of background interest in astronomy. And the professor took me aside and said, hey, you're actually kind of good at this. You seem kind of smart. Uh, you do know that if you want to be an astronomer, if you really have this passion for it, it's a real job. It's a thing you can do with your life. And uh, he said, you know, if you're interested in this, in physics or astronomy or in astrophysics, or cosmology, or high energy particle physics, or you know anything in there, or cosmetology. Or if you, if not, you want. <laughs> we didn't have that discussion. That that discussion came I'm later. Still trying to work it in there. <laughs> Keep He's trying. Too, Keep by trying. The way. I've heard them all before. Um, and he says, if you're interested, you can switch majors, mm -hmm. and you can try to make this your career. And within a week, I switched majors to physics, got my bachelor's in physics. So I'll see how far I can take it. So I went to get a PhD in physics, got a PhD in physics, went to get some jobs in physics and astrophysics, and got some jobs wow. in physics and astrophysics. And here I am today. I'm always envious of people like you who have a passion for that because science and math were my worst subjects, still are my worst subjects. I made the glorious mistake of taking physics 101 at, <laughs> at Ohio State at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, gosh. Yep. Uh, yeah, let me tell you, when I did make it to class... It wasn't long before I had nodded off, and <laughs> and I regret it now. In hindsight, I do because I find it, I find it now. Do you do you find this to be true as as you teach and educate people? Do you find that uh, like me as an adult, or the closest thing to one anyway, right? An old an older oh, child. An old, <laughs> I become more. I'm, I'm more fascinated now mm -hmm. with the topics as an as a as an older person than I ever was when I was younger. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it has something to do with, like, think of, like, your literature class where mm -hmm. you're forced to read a book and you hate it. And then if you were to come back to the same book 20, 30 years later and read it, you would see all the nuances. You would see the intricacies. Right. You would see the amazing plot. I think it's two things. One is because you're being forced to do it. And immediately you're going to resent something if you're being forced to do it. And two... To appreciate some things, you need a sufficiently large body of knowledge 
and experiences to draw from. So if you're reading like The Great Gatsby. Uh, which I've read umpteen times. Yeah, yeah, if you read it in high school, you're like, I don't understand any of this. It just seems dumb. I, but then you read it as an adult and you see, oh, I see. I see how, you know, my life was right. exactly like that. Or I, See, I, but I was weird in that respect and that I, I loved literature at a young age. So mm -hmm. the first time I read Great Gatsby was like, I'm going to be reading this book again. An eye opener. Is part of the fascination the fact that here we are in, in 2017 and all the strides that we seem to have made, let's just say been in the last 10 years alone, do you think there's more of an interest I, when I think about why am I so fascinated? Because so many new exciting things seem possible that when I was growing up was literally the the work Jetsons. of science fiction. And, right, right. And, and, you know, not never going to happen. And all of a sudden, like... You know what? Maybe, maybe we will get warp speed and be able to no. shoot through the cosmos. That's, and no, I, well, I'm just saying. Okay, but, fair but enough. But that, that excitement, that excitement, that that, yes. that 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 excitement of like, there's something bigger out there, and we seem to be get, getting closer to it. Just take Mars for an example. You know, we're gonna get to Mars. I don't know why we'd want to, but sure, yeah. People are. What do you mean? Playing, What's wrong with Mars? Uh, there's no air. Uh. <laughs> There's no liquid water. It's freezing cold. It's all red. Soil is poisonous. What a buzzkill. You are the worst, it's just worst <laughs> planetary travel agent ever. Don't go to Mars. There's so many better places right, to give go. Give me another planet we should go to. Europa. 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 It's a moon of Jupiter. Uh -huh. It's a very large moon of Jupiter. It's about the size of our own moon. Okay. And if you just look at the surface, uh, an icy crust yeah. on the surface, like water ice crusty has some cracks in it has some red stuff going on that's kind of cool you say you were to drill down right, through this say. icy crust uh -huh. about 100 kilometers about uh, 60 miles okay underneath that icy crust mm -hmm. in the world of europa is a liquid water ocean that completely envelops the entire world more liquid water than there is on the earth and, and if and, and if you remember our earlier discussion yes, with everything life water Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. If I we're remember. gonna look for life yeah. elsewhere in the universe, and especially our solar system, Mars is dead. Mars has been dead for three billion years. So why do we have ex ex excuse my my crassness? But so why do we have such a hard on for Mars? Uh, it's close, and people get excited by things like that because the moon is. Oh, we've done the moon. Yeah. Who cares about the moon? And I don't think we've done enough on the moon. We Go. haven't. In fact, uh, the Europeans, the, the Japanese and the Russians and the Chinese are all planning like moon bases and stuff. And the U.S. is just kind of skipping the moon and saying, let's go straight to Mars because it's the next thing. It's the next thing. Europa's kind of far out. Yeah, I understand Europa far out. But yeah, why, why is the U.S. passing on the moon? A lot of things, you know. When there's a casino, it's going to be on the moon. It's not going to be on Mars. <laughs> when there's hotel, when there's hotels, they're going to be on the moon. There are arguments to be made that if you're going to build a a space colony, right, it'd be better to do it on Mars than in the moon, even though Mars is further away. Uh, like the fact that Mars is a larger, it's larger than the moon, right? So it's stronger gravity. Moon is around 10, 11 percent of Earth gravity, and Mars is around a third or 40 percent, and so. When we're looking at the effects of zero-G on biology, the closer we have to real Earth gravity, the better. Right. For long-term survival. I get that. I actually do get that. <laughs> and Mars, uh, it does have a lot of frozen water underneath its crust. 
So if, whereas the moon, there's only a couple little pockets here and there of frozen ice water. And so water's a very useful thing. We like to drink it. We like to bathe in it. You can make whiskey with it. You can make whiskey <laughs> with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Mars has a ready supply of water. And it doesn't have much of an atmosphere. It's 1% of the Earth's air pressure. It's all carbon dioxide. So you can actually uh, pull oxygen out, a little bit of oxygen out of the water that's in the soil. You can pull it out of the air. So you can make your water. You can make your oxygen to breathe using everything that's already there on Mars where the moon doesn't have any of that. Paul also has a, a very popular podcast called Ask a Spaceman. I'm the spaceman. You're the spaceman. So do you want to go up into space? No. 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 It's, it's kind of risky. <laughs> but so why is your podcast called Ask, Ask a Spaceman if you have no desire to go to space? Because I, my mind has gone to space. Ah. And I can take you to space with me. We're not, we're not going to bother with low Earth orbit. This is so boring. Ugh. No, we're going way out. We're going to other stars. We're going talking about galaxies. We're talking about the whole entire universe. Well, thank you for the lovely segue. Speaking of, of galaxies and other universes, um, let's talk a minute about something that always comes up, uh, the Big Bang. Yep. The, right. the TV show or the No, the not physical the TV concept, show. No, I'm not going to do that to you because I'm sure you get that all the time. But I, I want to talk that. about, about the, uh, uh, the Big Bang. Uh, the way, I, in my simpleton ways, the way I understand it, the way I've written it down is the universe expanded from a high density and a high temperature. After the expansion, things pretty much cooled. And then there were uh, some subatomic particles that became atoms. And then a few more steps later with some dark matter and so forth and so on. Basically, we wind up to, from all that, to me being in a bar saying, bartender, one more round, please. The end. Yeah, basically. Do you? <laughs> can I? Can I take you into my cosmology class and and, and have you give a little guest lecture? Because that's actually like that's pretty much it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, there's more to it. Of course, there's details and lots of math. And well, well see, then again, because this is math, physics. Physics math, is a mathematical uh, description of our universe. We got. So is that is that what you do? You, are you a sub, are you a believer and subscriber? Is that is that what how pretty much you think we're here sitting today? because of how all that occurred? <laughs> I believe in the evidence. Okay. I, I And I go in the direction that the evidence tells me to go. Because you mentioned earlier that, you know, the only uh, alcohol you've ever partaken in was a little bit of communion wine. When I So when I hear communion wine, it means you have some sort of a religious background as well. And let's be honest, sometimes those two clash. There, It is possible. It is possible to have a clash. And I'm not, I'm not offering this up for debate. Right, I'm, not, right. I'm, not, I'm not telling you to take a side, right. but I'm saying... If you have a religious background, but you also believe the evidence, mm -hmm. you know, does that get conflicting for you? I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll tell you that there are many scientists who are atheists and there are many scientists who are devout Christians, uh, devout Muslims, de devout Hindus, devout Buddhists, devout of every faith. Uh, the ones who do have a strong faith, of course, they find a way to reconcile their religious beliefs with their non-religious beliefs, their scientifically motivated beliefs. And uh, they seem to live happy, fulfilling lives and they sleep at night and they seem like decent people. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this. One of the founders of modern cosmology, our modern conception of the universe was developed in the early 1900s, about a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And there were 
many people, about a dozen people that were all kind of actively buzzing around and thinking these ideas and putting together the pieces that would eventually become the what we call the Big Bang Theory. One of those people, very influential people, was Georges Lemaitre, who is a priest, a Catholic priest, right. and also a scientist, an, an active cosmologist and astrophysicist. He didn't appear to have any problems. With with the with the Big Bang Theory, the big, I mean, he was was one of his and, ideas. And, and he was part of it, and still was you know was able to stay very devout. And the Pope seemed all right with him, and all the scientists they worked with seemed all right with him. So they all seemed to be okay with him as long as, you know. And yes, God, you were in the mix as well. Sure, you know, and, and, and if they're not, well, then you know you can you are free to disobey the religious authorities of your particular religion mm -hmm. if you so choose. What's your favorite thing about uh, being an astrophysicist? What's uh, you know, be, besides being the smartest person in the room and being able to tell people how wrong they I are all the time? Oh, Paul, if you're the smartest person in the room, maybe in this particular subject matter you are, but everybody knows that the smartest person in the room is not even here. <laughs> there you go. Well put. No, my favorite thing about uh, being an astrophysicist. There's there's my favorite thing about astrophysics. Okay, what is that first? Give me my that. My favorite thing about astrophysics is just the immense scales that we talk about. The vast distances, the long times where, uh, and how this kind of stuff, the stuff we're studying, say, when we say cosmology, mm -hmm. my branch of astrophysics, I am a cosmologist. I study the structure and evolution of the universe. And I'll just rattle off, you know, in my day-to-day -day life, like, oh, this process occurred 5 billion years ago, you know, 20 billion light years away, blah, 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 blah. And if I sit, take a moment to think about it, it, it hurts. It hurts of how vast right. the universe really is and how beautifully complex it really is. But then the wonderful part is that we've developed this tool called mathematics that allows us to understand the ununderstandable, that allows us to comprehend the incomprehensible, where our normal animal brain can't fit the concept of the size of the universe in it, but I can develop a technique, I can develop mathematics that allows me to manipulate that and understand that and predict its future evolution. Are you better at mathematics or are you better at physics? I would say I'm better at physics than mathematics. Yeah. I've never been an incredibly good uh, mathematician, but neither was Einstein. Einstein said he was not the I, best I, mathematician. I said it on a, a couple of podcasts ago. Even Einstein had to get lucky every once in a while. <laughs> and, and he had lots of help. He collaborated with a lot of mathematicians in order to get the work done that he needed to get done. Interesting. Um, and when I I want to go back a couple of uh, questions when I said, do we get it because, you know, do, do I have more of an interest in now because we see things developing and get excited. Mm -hmm. um, the recent discovery of these other planets that were very Earth-like, yep. did, that, did that get a rise out of you or not? No, this is, this is huge. This is huge. And one of the most exciting things that's been happening over the past 10 years and will continue for another decade is the hunt for another Earth, for a planet orbiting another star. Right. There's got to be another the, one like us. We predict. We predict based on the, the scanty evidence that we have so far, that in our Milky Way galaxy alone, there's around 5 million Earth-like planets around sun-like stars with the same orbit that we do. 5 million. There has to be. It's I, a numbers game. I, it is a numbers game, but I, you just uh, being the, the layman and, and not knowing anything, I when you talk about the vast universe mm -hmm. and, and how huge it all is, the galaxy, the universe, whatever is bigger than any of all that, it's... 
It's, I mean, it's, it's large. It's, it's physically it's large. It's Princess Bride. It's inconceivable yeah, yeah. to I me. I do not think you know what that word means. <laughs> yes. To me, to think that we're the only planet like this. Now, imagine when you go out and see the darkest sky you've ever seen. Yeah. Where every star, where you can see the Milky Way, uh, you can see Nebula, you can see everything. You're looking at about 3,000 stars tops. 3,000. In the Milky Way galaxy, there's around 300 billion stars in just our Milky Way galaxy. To the naked eye, we just see one tiny little mm -hmm. bubble right. of, of our own galaxy. And then there's around 500 billion to 2 trillion galaxies in the observable universe. But is it frustrating to just make these discoveries like these these planets that we were just talking about that are mm -hmm. supposedly the, the very- The Trappist system. The, the Trappist system that are very Earth-like, but oh man, we're never gonna get there. We don't have to go there with spaceships to understand it. We can go there with our minds. With our minds. With our minds. <laughs> no, with, with with observatories. We can still study and understand these planets remotely. But isn't it frustrating? Don't, I mean, take it like a vacation destination. You know, you hear about this great vacation spot that's very much like a place you love already, but it's someplace else, but uh, but you can't go there. You can't get there. We don't, to me, that's, that's not the motivation for me, and I feel that that's not the motivation for most astronomers. It is... It's, it's not about, frustrating? It's not frustrating at all. It's the it's the process of discovery. And getting back to your question of what do I find most enjoyable about being an astrophysicist, uh -huh. about the actual job, is that when I figure something out, when I make some observation or I develop some, some new theory that's able to explain some observed phenomena or something, I, I make some advance in the field for a small moment, for a small moment, I'm the only person in the world who knows that thing. Oh. It's mine. I'm the only person. I'm the only person. I've it. it imagine being like uh, an ancient explorer, and you come upon sure. you're the first person to cross uh, the 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 Bering Strait, and you come into the New World, into Alaska, you know, tens of thousands of years ago. You're the first person. You are the your eyes are the first eyes to see the Rocky Mountains. Right. Right. And then we have this sense of centuries of millennia of, of explorers and adventurers who are get excited just by the fact that they're the first to see something, to describe something, to observe something. And that sense of discovery mm -hmm. never ended. We still have it. It's just changed character. Now, instead of sailing ships around the world or, or, or going marching off, we're sending robotic probes through our solar system. We're building observatories to, to view and try to understand, you know, the literal edge of the observable universe. And we get to carry that spirit of discovery with us and, and learn new things about the universe. And just the act of learning. It, it's fun to figure things out. Have you ever been so absolutely filled with confidence right about something you believed in to find out it was wrong? Oh, like all the time. All the time. That's that's every other week. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, science yeah. science is a is is a it's 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 a hard thing to do. Nature is not very forgiving, and not easy to understand. Does that piss you off? It's okay because because <laughs> the it's the joy is in the journey. The joy is in the process. That you know ahead of time that there's going to be ninety nine blind alleys, <laughs> and you're going to go down every single one of them. Uh -huh. Before you hit on that one alley that does work, that does hold up to the evidence, that does make a consistent story, that you can convince your colleagues is is the right view, and that's worth it. That's worth all the ninety nine 
blind alleys combined. So you're telling me that in in your field, there's a lot of there's a lot of eaten crow. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> One of the first things that beaten out of you in grad school is any sense of pride or ego, because every idea you have will, is shot down with authority, with viciousness, with kind vicious viciousness, where. You know, and even trained. if you come across something that is amazingly cool and and at the time right, you're telling me there's somebody else just doing everything in their power to prove you wrong. Yeah, yeah, basically. Well, that just seems counterproductive. It's it's the way it is because we have to challenge each other. We always scientists, the entire community has to challenge each other all the time because we have to keep each other on our toes. We have to keep each other being honest and bias-free and true to the data and true to the observations. So actually, this process of science is very massive and combative by design. Let me ask you a silly question because I like to mix things up. Is this we... the first one? <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty comfortable on this show. He's pretty he? comfortable <laughs> on this show. <laughs> I think he was wrong when he said he was the smartest person in the room. I think he's what he meant to say. He's the he's the smart ass in the room. Oh, okay. oh yeah, that's, 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 that's my dad. That's okay. My dad would. That's all right. That's fine. That's okay because this is my next silly question. <laughs> in your world, in your field <laughs> of being an astrophysicist, you strike me as a pretty good guy. Right. I appreciate that. You really not and sincerely. You got a great sense of humor, sarcastic, witty, uh, and I, I like how you just get right in there. I like this show. I like uh, this. It's great. Are you having a good time? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. That makes me very happy. And the more you compliment me, the better. It's time oh I have. well, I've I've only begun. Well, I'm a, actually I might be all done. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's <laughs> why yeah. I might have shot the whole load yeah, right it. there. It's I don't sarcasm know. And then... So are there evil astrophysicists? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Evil. I had... Are there, are there evil astrophysicists? There aren't astrophysicists. They use their knowledge... For, for evil? For, for evil, the powers of evil? Yes. They're not, there's not evil astrophysicists in the, in the sense of trying to take over the world. There are jerk astrophysicists uh -huh. because astrophysicists are people. And there's the normal range of personality types that you encounter in any other set, setting, any other profession, is represented by astrophysics. I had one guy that I knew, I don't even remember his name, and I only encountered him once, that uh, I went to give a talk. You know, you give seminars, you give colloquia, you visit other places, and I was visiting uh, Trieste, Italy, and I was giving a talk there mm -hmm. at the Astronomical Observatory about my research, and there was one guy sitting right dead center of the audience, and the whole time I'm giving my talk, he's sitting there with his arms crossed, <laughs> and like the most disgusted look on his face and he's Italian. And so he's, his facial expressions are like going through the roof. It's just like, what, what? And he's like tapping people on the show and like, keep like acting like you get loaded. This guy, <laughs> like, I don't get, it. I don't get just, uh, uh, rolling his eyes, like ge gesticulating the whole time. And like I'd given this talk before mm -hmm. and I felt pretty polished, but I had to focus so hard because this guy was a major distraction right in the center of my vision. I couldn't ignore him. And then at the end of my talk, I'm like, okay, he's going to destroy me because he's got, he's been making a list of questions. He's going to destroy, he's going to go through slide by slide and rip me apart. So we get to the Q&A part. He doesn't ask a single thing. Really? Just stare, sits there staring at me. And then. We end, everyone claps, gives a nice little clap. He doesn't clap, he just gets up and leaves. And then later, I, I went to my host, you know, after I'm like, what was with that guy? Like, I was I was stressed out. Because inside, sure. I, was, I was sweating bullets because I was like, this guy's 
obviously senior, obviously knows this stuff. He's going to rip me apart. He's, oh, actually, he really liked your talk. Usually he leaves halfway through. That's just, it's just his thing. Like he just reacts like he just hates everybody. <laughs> but he must have liked your talk because he stayed for the whole 50 minutes. So he so the fact that his anger and his passion, he, you you, um, you affected him. I, I got through to him. You got through to him. I you got, got through. through. That's awesome. Yeah. So cool. So yeah, there there's some there's, there's some, some there's some characters. There's some characters. <sighs> but alas, no no evil astrophysicist. I'm sorry, that, no. That wants to take over. No, the if world. if we wanted to use our powers our, for evil, yes. we would not be astrophysicists because it's kind of a. Oh, what pain. would you then? What would you be called? Any. Else. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you've traveled, but have you time traveled? That's yes. My, that's, you have? Of course I have. No, you haven't. We're time traveling right now. All right. What? What? Yeah, no, uh, we're, wait, wait. Boom, DC, we just went into the future. We just did, we did it all together, actually. Okay. Yeah, that's boring. That's, you know, that's, What, you said time travel. I you time didn't travel. I'm talking about, you know, like you can go into the future if they say if they say to you, Paul, uh, this research is great, but you know an answer to whatever we're looking for is probably the uh, fifty, sixty years in the future. You can do that. Don't you wish you could just not have to wait fifty or sixty and just years? Go and see. Go. No, you can do that. You can skip forward into the future. How far? As far as you want. But you can't come back, right? You can't come back. Now who's the second smartest guy in the room? <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was a competition. <laughs> Fighting for second. It's really not. Don't don't try to compete because we're gonna we're gonna lose. <laughs> what you, you can you, go into the future, but you can't come back. You, you you can skip forward into the future. I'm fascinated now. Tell me how. All right. All you have to do is go really, 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 really fast. This is this is Einstein's special relativity. I know. I know. All right. The faster you go, the closer you get to approaching the speed of light. The faster you go in space, the slower you go in time. Moving clocks run slow. So if you jump in a spaceship and rock it right. away at 99% of the speed of light or whatever, something really fast, uh -huh. do a loop around you know, Proxima Centauri or whatever, come back to our own solar system. You can actually, uh, the number I like to use, you can if you were to accelerate, constantly accelerate at 1G at 9.8 meters per second squared, so you had a big, big rocket, and it's blasting away, mm -hmm. and you're going really, really fast. You can reach the center of our Milky Way galaxy in 20 years. Okay. Circle back, 20-year trip back home. 40-year trip for you. Yeah. 100,000 years have passed on Earth. Wow. So you would return back to Earth 100,000 years in the Earth's future, but only 40 years have passed so for you. it's possible in theory. We have observed this. We, you, have, you have observed it. We have measured this. It's a thing. It it's is a, a real fact of our universe. You say the future. Can you do it? Can you go in the past? We cannot go in the past. Why not? We don't. Why does the same principle apply? We don't understand why. Actually, we don't understand why. What is time dilation? Time dilation is exactly this: the moving clocks run slow. The moving clocks. That's part this of the Einstein. With, that's part of the whole. The whole baggage. The whole baggage. The whole baggage. The whole, yeah. And and we've measured this with atomic clocks. So if you put one atomic clock in like a jet airplane, right? Not very fast compared to the speed of light. You know, six hundred miles an hour. You leave one atomic clock on the ground. You fly that jumbo jet around the world and land it and compare the clocks. The clock that was moving ran slower, slower. than the clock on the right. ground. Your GPS, in order mm -hmm. for the GPS to be as accurate as it is, it must take account into account the fact that these satellites are going really fast in orbit around the Earth. 
So we know that time dilation is a thing. We've been able to measure it very accurately. Right. And it and it confirms uh, Einstein's special theory of relativity. And so we know When this, you say his special theory of relativity, is is like the no i'm serious i know what he's talking about i know he had a special theory of relativity and and just you know uh, the basic one right yeah yeah he made he made a more general yeah. version a decade later i'm trying to put it quit laughing at me man i'm trying to keep this podcast on simple terms that people who are drinking whiskey and listening can understand and he's helping I'm me. enjoying it that's why I'm laughing <laughs> he's, just, he's laughing he's, with joy you, I'm I will remind you. you that he invited me to to break down the big bang theory in 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 30 seconds to his class so that's all I'm saying professor anyway, dino back to the special theory but so special and general theory general theory of relativity you can skip forward into the future all you want going into the past though yeah. seems to be seems to be prohibited by our universe but we don't fully understand why. And has it got anything to do? I mean, we've seen the movies and the TV shows, the whole butterfly effect that, you know, we say it's prohibited because it literally can change things, but aren't we changing things if we go into the future as well? Yeah, yeah, we're always affecting our future. Right. And But when I say it appears to be prohibited is that when you look at general relativity and you try to concoct scenarios, like is there is there a particular path you could take that would allow you to end up in your own past. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There are some scenarios that would let you do that. If you could construct, say, this thing called a wormhole. That looks yeah, like I was going to ask you tunnel. about the wormholes because it seems like that's where we're sitting. That in order to do any of that time, time travel, if mm -hmm. we could time travel, it seems like you need to be sitting on the edge of one of those wormholes. Yeah, if, if you travel through a wormhole and one of the ends of the wormhole is accelerated close to the speed of light, blah, right. blah, blah, a bunch of math, you will end it, you'll follow that path and you'll end up in your own past. If you have an infinitely long cylinder and you spin it up close to the speed of light, you can follow a very, very careful corkscrew path around that cylinder and you'll end up in your own past. If the universe were rotating, which it is not, if the universe were rotating, you could follow very specific paths and end up in your own past. But the universe but. is not rotating. There are no infinitely long cylinders in uh -huh. our universe. And wormholes require, uh, in order to be constructed, they require something with negative mass, which is not a thing in our universe. So it's like all the scenarios that we come up with to say, aha, this is, this is a way to construct a, a time machine appear to be based on physical principles that just are violated by other things. Okay. But we have no, like, we have no basic fundamental reason why time travel into the past is prohibited. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thrilled that you spent as much time on it as you did because I thought, you know, with physics being part of what you do, mm -hmm. uh, that you- I have a PhD in physics. Like, I am yeah, I'm That a, you would I immediately a, dismiss a it and say it's bullshit, it's stupid, and but then now you just made me very excited, except for the fact that anytime I've talked to- Oh, just for fun at carnivals and whatnot. You always talk to, you go to psychics and they tell you about what you did in your other life and your past. Uh -huh. You know, they never tell you about who you were in the future. They, you know, they always tell you about what you were in your past. And, and I think it's more romantic to want to be able to go back. Oh, and you're always a, like a prince or yeah. princess in your, or uh, a, a, were, you, were you, were you a princess? No, I was vagabond, <laughs> ditch digger, ditch digger. Were you really? Uh, Do you check manure the... shoveler. Uh, Sutter, I think my last name Sutter is is the guy that puts the shoes on the horses uh -huh. in Germany. I think 
Um, so you've I, actually inquired people that have told you. you actually, when you I actually was able to visit uh, some of my distant relatives in Slovakia, one branch of my family is from Eastern Slovakia, and I'm very glad they left. And I come from a town <laughs> of like my ancestors in that branch of the family come from a town called Kolbasov, uh-huh. which is the Slovak word for kielbasa or sausage. Right. I literally come from the town of sausage, <laughs> Slovakia. <laughs> <laughs> And so that's I'm as, I'm assuming that's, that's a, a good travel brochure. <laughs> <laughs> this has been fascinating. Uh, the, the the guest bottle once again, uh, Hansberry. You enjoying the red breast? No, oh, I, I polished that off real quick. Okay, good. Well, you so, could have had some so, more. Yes, you could have had some more. And Paul, I once again I respect the fact that you do not imbibe, but you you know. Trust this was me a very I, refreshing bottle of water. I'm very gracious. I, well, now do I, I have will, to pay for it? No, I okay. will look at a bottle of water now with far more respect than I ever had before. Think of where the the, hydro, the hydrogen in this water uh-huh. has been in our universe for 13.8 billion years. Yeah. Think of its its journey to get into that bottle. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. And eventually, I want to piss it out. There's that too. That's that's the, that's the next step. That's the next step. Thirteen point eight billion years to to lead to that. <laughs> to lead to that. Poor the thing. guest bottle has been red breast. Our guest, probably one of the more fascinating uh, guests I've had on the show. Thank you, man, for so so Thanks much. Thanks again I, for the invitation. This I hope was you a, enjoyed this as this much was, as I did. This was a lot of fun. I I, I really do. Um, you can go to Ask a Spaceman. Let's let's plug let's plug Askaspaceman.com. Askaspaceman.com, where you can actually. Uh, um, ask questions and he will answer them quick out of out of your three out of the, out of Kepler's laws. Which is your favorite? My favorite is the third. The third one, the law of, uh, of uh, periods. Yes. Right. Yes. It was the first step. It was a very misguided step, but it was the first step towards a realization that the laws of physics apply everywhere in the universe. Yeah. And that was kind of a big deal. The law of orbits. The law of areas. Law of periods and the unknown number four, uh, no take backs. <laughs> no backsies is how he wrote it. You know, in Latin, in Latin, is no backsies. No backsies. <laughs> Paul Sutter, <laughs> astrophysicist. Thank you so much. Askaspaceman.com. Uh, if you're lucky enough to uh, uh, have him as a as a teacher at OSU at The Ohio State University, good for you. It sounds like you'd be a great teacher. And, of course, at COSI, you're the chief scientist there. All over the place. All over the place, man. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. It was my pleasure. So I got to say a couple things before we close. One, if you like Whiskey Business, share it with your friends, by all means. Uh, our website is whiskeybusinessshow.com. We are on Facebook as well. At least that's what my producer, Greg Hansberry, tells me. We are on Facebook. We'd love you to go there. Also, uh, leave a review, a comment that helps us and also helps spread the word. So thank you for that. And we're available wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Whiskey Business uh, is a Never the Luck production recorded in cooperation with the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions here tonight are those of your host, me, Dino Tripotis, and my reluctant guests, and are never meant <laughs> indeed, to, <laughs> and are never meant to offend, only to inform you and entertain. So, until the next bottle, in another universe, perhaps. See ya.
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.